this e the email. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> hey guys, it's Friday. You know what that means. Welcome back to another episode of Dead and Married. I'm your host, Ashley. I'm drunk. <laughs> and then I'm Travis. <laughs> So on this episode, we're going to test how many, how much Johnny Walker I can consume and still record a podcast. Okay, so when you get over your giggle fits, we'll uh, we'll try it. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So what are we covering this week? <laughs> I'm not ready. Stop. Stop. Okay, let's try this again, but sober. <laughs> yeah, all I've got here is ginger ale, but I, I can do some of the things I did before, like terrible singing and snorting and laughing. Well, you give us the snorting anyway. Yeah. That's like... Dr. Chalice, drunk again, sleeping with your sister's friends. Yeah. That was a, well, a wham kinda, plug there. He, yeah, he, he does kind of do that, though. Like, Mike he can is, sing it a lot better than I can. <laughs> he is the quintessential horn dog. Yes, yes, Dr. Chalice is... <laughs> I swear I'm not wow. drunk. I swear I'm not drunk. <laughs> Actually, we just got through off mic having a conversation with Aiden <laughs> where he was like, yeah, that mustache is kind of, uh, and I'm like, you just shut your mouth about that mustache. It's one of only three mustaches that I accept. That is Tom Atkins, Tom Selleck, Tom's, Tom's. I didn't think about that. I never made a connection. Tom. Tom. <laughs> And um, I'm losing my brain right now. I'm smooth brain. Sam Elliott. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Those are the only three mustaches I'll accept. Like everybody knows my love that is for Chris Evans. And I don't even like a mustache on him. So, you know, that's got to gotta mean something. Yeah. What was it we saw him in where he had the porn stash? I think it's this new movie that he's in right now. Thing. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about that mustache. Yeah, no. He doesn't, he doesn't know. Don't but do a mustache. But to be fair, Tom I mean, Atkins I still wouldn't is, kick him out of bed, but, you he, know. Tom Atkins <laughs> has kind of got the porn stash going on, too. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Chalice, Tom Atkins, he can Tom pull it Selleck off. Tom Selleck and Sam Elliott, theirs is like extra manly. As a matter of fact, I think it's The Fog, where Tom Atkins is clean shaven. No, not The Fog. Maybe he is in The Fog, but definitely in Creep Show, he's clean shaven, and it just doesn't look right. It's well, like all the butterflies died. He's, he's one of those guys, like me. That should never be without facial hair. This is true. Ever. Yeah, I was telling Aiden, I was like, your dad had just a mustache once and we won't talk about those times. Well, but <laughs> I had to have something so people would think I was over you know, 12 years old. <laughs> and where we worked, the mustache was all that was allowed. Right. So. I don't get that either. It's not like you were a police officer or a fireman where I can understand that logic with your helmet. You were just in a grocery store, so I don't understand. Yeah, no, I don't get it. Don't they know that women would buy more groceries if they had the sexy beard guy selling them produce? Well, you can trust a bearded person. That's true. That's why I don't understand. If they just have a mustache, you've got to be a little suspicious. <laughs> anyway, guys. <laughs> so are we talking about Halloween 3? Well, I guess we should introduce them first. Welcome back for another Flashback Friday episode where we count down our most downloaded episodes in the span of this been our first year. So today, coming in at number eight, and this was released on October 1st, 2021. So not too, not too far away. We're coming up on one year anniversary of that particular episode. And wow, we were still kind of green little bit yeah 
We still that are was like our only kind of, that was only our third month of podcasting. Well, I think we've gotten we've gotten better yeah. since then. <laughs> I would hope so after a year. Anytime somebody asks me what's a good introduction episode to this show, this is the one that I point to. Oh God, you tell them this one. Yes, I do. Oh. This is my favorite episode that we've ever done. So I'll just put that out there. Even if it's not number one in the technical list, it is number one in my heart. Oh, because you and I just had a blast recording that episode and not necessarily because we were kind of hopped up on uh margaritas and what were you drinking johnny walker johnny walker <laughs> yeah. yeah so obviously that amplified it a bit but we were just having fun and that's been one of the best parts about this show is just getting to have some laughs with you you know amidst the chaos that is our lives and or monotony whichever <laughs> But no, I was insanely drunk in that episode. <laughs> I think yeah, I'm gonna move the blooper reel up. <laughs> well, and, you uh, you guys should have already have heard gonna, it at this point. Gonna, well, but if they haven't, they're gonna get that first. Yeah. So yay. Yeah, we. Uh, I kind of miss doing the blooper tracks. I mean, some life stuff has kind of gotten in the way where we can't do all the things that we did in the beginning. We don't, you know, me going to school, Travis working longer hours. We don't have time to necessarily cut in all the fun stuff anymore. But the blooper track was a bit that I enjoyed in our well, early days. Yeah, but the problem with that is that we've gotten better at this, so there's not as much fucked up shit happening during the episode that's true that's true because i i mean you you do the edit now yeah i do and And i still stumble on words but there's been far less of me just acting a straight fool yeah so the really the (laughs) only stuff you cut out now is when i'm talking about something and i'm saying things that you're like oh no you can't say that (laughs) and you're like flapping your arms at me across the table (laughs) don't say that don't say that and then you cut it out in the edit i do not flap my arms we're just... It's like you're trying to fly away. We're just... <laughs> what the fuck? <sighs> we're just... We're still new. Okay. And unfortunately, it's as sensitive as Travis and I tend to be. Obviously, we're not assholes and we don't say controversial things to hurt people's feelings. At the same time, you know, you don't want to offend somebody... You know, and it's not like I'm one of those people that's like, oh my God, we can't piss this person off. We can't piss this person off. It's not that. It's just, I like to, I don't want to piss anybody off. Like, you know, I, I'm one of those, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a horrible, like notorious people pleaser. So I'm always just mindful of my P's and Q's. Maybe to our detriment. I would hope not, but you know. Well, I think really most of the stuff that you cut out that I say is when I haul up my ladder and I climb out up, up on my soapbox and I'm like, let me tell you about this fucking guy. <laughs> yeah. Except for Todd Farmer, you left all that in there. Yeah. Yeah, well, because it was true. But when you say things like, oh, that lady was a hooker instead of a sex worker, then I'm like, hey, watch it, (laughs) you know? Yeah, I still don't understand the political ramifications of that distinction. There there is one. But okay, I'm going to go with it. I'll I'll defer to your judgment. No, we're still we're still wading these waters and learning because I think we talked about it in the Green Inferno episode where we were like, there's just certain ways that we used to talk as kids of the 90s, 80s, 90s, that 
was fine and perfectly, uh, I don't want to say harmless, that, that that's kind of a dangerous way of thinking, but not harmless necessarily, but it was just more accepted. And now as we're getting older and we have kids of our own that are Zoomers, they're kind of filling us in on like, that's not cool. You shouldn't say that. You could hurt this person's feelings or, and we would never want to hurt somebody's feelings. So we just tend to sidestep around <laughs> certain ways that we talked when we were kids ourselves. I'm being censored. That's what this is. Censorship. Oh, this is hardly, hardly censorship. But to be, here's the thing though, is that we watch Wham and I sit there in my chair and you're on the couch and they'll say crazy shit and I look at you and I'm like, see, they say whatever the fuck they want to. Nobody, nobody censors them. I'm being oppressed here. That's what this is. (laughs) Maybe I'm just repressed. Anyway. But anyway, no, we just, this episode was so much fun to do. And yesterday we went back and we rewatched Halloween 3 to see if it lived up to the hype we had built it up in our minds. You go first this time. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I w- you went first last time. I still love it. I understand that there's still a lot of people out there that don't say it doesn't count in the Halloween franchise. A lot of people say, well, just take the Halloween name off of it and it'll be fine if you can enjoy it for that. I'm like, nah, you don't even have to take the Halloween name off of it i'm cool with it being in there it's part of its legacy and i'm absolutely fine with it does tom adkins mustache still hold up for me yes it does i I will say that it's still not one that i consider to be scary unfortunately i said I, i do love it but there's not any point where i actually find the idea scary there are ideas that are disturbing you know like the mass killing of children and at the end getting the feeling that dr chalice was not successful in saving the children is disturbing but as far as like the droids being scary or cochrane no not so much i i will say that i the scene that still stands out for me that i was okay like drop everything this scene is on everybody shut up is the kid watching the tv and grabbing at his mask. That's still top tier stuff as far as I'm concerned. See, I thought you were going to talk about uh, the part where Tom Atkins says, that's a dumb question, Ms. Grimbridge. <laughs> I thought like you were about to say him, Tom Atkins bare ass. <laughs> him on the job. I thought that's what you were going to say. Was that your was your favorite part. Favorite part. <laughs> yeah, okay. You got me. <laughs> but, uh, but is it one that I'm still going to include in my Halloween rotation? Absolutely. I never skip part three, no matter what. I will skip resurrection all day long, <laughs> but I never skip on part three. How do you feel about it a year later? Uh, the same. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, it's not, it's not a scary movie. It's not. It's a fun movie to watch, but it's there's nothing scary about it. I still I still like the the uh, I don't want to say cinematography overall because for the most part it's just a straightforward movie. But that scene with the silhouette of the kids walking across the hill all in costume that's just awesome. I, I still think that. That's See, that's great, how I feel about the mask shot. That's a great scene. Um, the yeah, it just kind of goes back to that. The the android guys they're not they're not scary at all, and they're they're filled with orange juice concentrate, and it's just. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad, but it's it's a fun movie to watch, I guess. Yeah, I th- that's the thing. We I feel like we sit and we rip on it more than we take it seriously. And it's not, you know, not to say it because it's a bad film by any means. We just, you know, some of the stuff that's dated, like Dr. Chalice, like slapping nurses on the ass and, you know... <laughs> Like, I mean, let's let's be honest here. He's not really a stand-up guy 
in this whole thing. No, no, he's an alcoholic <laughs> who ignores his children so yeah. he can go get his fuck on. With uh, a girl much younger than himself. Yeah, so I don't... She... There had to be like a 20-year difference between those two. Yeah, at least. And yeah, and he doesn't He doesn't care. Like, Mike and Jay are right. He's, he's going to sleep with your sister's friends. <laughs> and he'll do it on a Monday? All of them, yeah. And... <laughs> Oh my gosh. But no, he's not a good dude at all. I mean, I'm honestly, if you look at his character in this movie with him ignoring his kids and uh, how he deals with his ex-wife and drinking all the time and slapping random nurses on the ass, I'm honestly surprised he even went to investigate this. Yeah, and I've, I'm still not sure why he did to I begin with. I don't know. You'd think that he would have just taken advantage of, what, what was her name, Ellie? Yeah. Taken advantage of her grief and moved on. <laughs> <laughs> not that you're condoning that. No, I'm just saying. I'm that censoring you again. <laughs> I, I know you are. I'm just talking about from a character standpoint. He just doesn't seem like the hero type, that kind of guy. Yeah. And uh, so it does take. It's kind of a weird arc for him, I guess, to go from I'm just gonna drink and get my fuck on to I'm gonna go investigate a mystery. Like I'm, right. I'm a Scooby now. <laughs> Let's hop in the mystery machine. Yeah. I bet it's a shagging wagon when it's him. <laughs> Yeah, when it's Tom Atkins, it's a shagging wagon, not a mystery machine. But that that part was was just odd. I thought um, I could do without the opening. I decided that this time around when we watched it. Okay. With the weird orange lines, it just goes on in the do 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 do. It just goes on way too fucking long. Okay. Like just they could just uh, so do. So you just mean the opening credits? I thought you meant the, yeah, like, no, the no, opening no. scene. No, the opening credits. The opening credits just they got on my nerves this time. Yeah. I don't. It's just too much. It's okay. too much. Too much orange. It's <laughs> too much. There's a lot of orange in this film. There's a lot. <laughs> No, it's still like it's got that weird flavor that makes it not feel like it's part of that universe. And you feel like you're watching like what would be the equivalent of the $5 bin at Walmart where there's just this random obscure movie that doesn't make any sense. Hang on, hang on. I'm pretty sure you can't say Walmart on a podcast because they'll sue you. So I'm censoring you now. Fuck those guys. I'm censoring you. (laughs) They're the devil. We've established that. We've established that in a year. We we don't like those people. But um, no, it just feels like out of place in the weirdest way. I don't I don't know how to describe that. So I've thought about this. You could tie this back to the other Halloween movies, but you'd have to do it in the Thorn trilogy. Do you know what I mean? Because Cochran was basically it was uh you know he was stealing the shit from Stonehenge right and using it. You could tie this back to I can see that the Thorn yeah because that's fair. it's kind of a similar yeah, feeling. It's all the Maybe not. Celtic. It, it's the same flavor. Lore stuff. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how else to describe it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Complementary flavors going together there. Yeah. Uh, you can't, t- it can't touch the original, the first two Halloweens, and it really can't touch anything after the Thorn trilogy. <laughs> I mean, in terms of like tone and theme, but the Thorn trilogy, I think you could tie those together and it would almost make sense because it was a Celtic thing in, in that. Yeah. No, no. Also, I, I understand so. what you're saying. We, we really need Paul Rudd to sit here and explain it to us. I do. I do need Paul Rudd. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not in the sense you're thinking. <laughs> I know you need him that way too. Be honest. <laughs> but does he? Is he ever going to get older? Um, he's he's fuck. He, he's no. Looked, he ages in reverse. He's looked the same for forty years. Actually, I I'm probably in one of those clubs that says he's gotten better. With I'm sure age, you are. So. <laughs> I'm sure you are in that group. But but he look he almost looks the same as he did in the damn what part? What part was that? Six. Six. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. Maybe his, not quite. His acting exactly improved. <laughs> It had to get better. It couldn't have gotten worse. I don't know. It's just, it's hard to explain. It just feels like a very weird, trippy movie. 
and you feel kind of odd watching it and the things that culminate to make it the film that it is the score and the tone it just I don't know it feels like it's its own entity so I understand that argument you know just don't watch it as a Halloween film but at the same time it's kind of nice to have that that tonal shift a little bit you know what I mean where it's like you don't feel like you're just sitting through one long fucking Halloween movie so I think I've said before that I I don't you know what I think I've said before that I don't like anthology films and then I've come back and said that I do like anthology films. I like some anthology films. <laughs> um, was it Tales of Halloween? Pretty mm-hmm. good. Uh, Trick or Treat, right? Mm-hmm. It's another Halloween themed sort of anthology thing with a bunch of shorts in it. It's good. So if it's done right, I can dig it. I think that shifting from Michael Myers to this and kind of John Carpenter's original vision that that's what it was going to be. It was going to be everything centered around Halloween but different every time. I could do that. I could do that. So I don't, you know, if we're going to watch Halloween and this one's in there, in the rotation i'm good with it i don't necessarily have to remove the halloween name from it because it doesn't i don't know i guess i'm just not a big oh offended fanboy that gets you know this is the part that. that i edit out every time i edit one of these. i just don't it's just an it's just a name just you either like the movie and you watch it i mean would you it, does everything depend on the name oh i don't i don't know like well if it's got but if it's got this name man then you get I'm the get, scary eyes when you talk I about fanboys yes you do like I don't. like it, it's almost like you have a person in particular in mind. <laughs> Maybe. They just get offended about stupid shit. Like the fact that it's Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. Who gives a shit if it's Halloween 3 Season of the Witch? You either like the movie or you don't. If you watch it and you like it, great. Watch it some more. If you watch it and you don't like it, then don't watch it anymore. If you don't like the name and you don't want to watch it, then don't fucking watch it. You're missing out. Yeah. I just, I don't know. People get stupid over that stuff. Yeah, like I It's agree. either a good movie or a bad movie. You like it or you don't. Either watch it or don't. But don't try to ruin that shit for everybody else. Right. And I was thinking about this and, I, and I'll make an apology right now. I'll do For a... me? Are you apologizing for me again? No, I'm apologizing to our audience i'm gonna make a retraction here i kind of did that i feel like with jason x maybe a little bit like now that i've had some time to marinate on that episode i'm like did i really go in there and just be like i fucking hate this movie this movie is trash it's stupid and i was like man that it sucks that i did that you know do i feel like i was just outright with that no not necessarily but if anyone listened to the jason x episode and was like geez ashley tell us how you really feel i'm sorry you know i'll just say that it's obviously like I said I ranked it last but it's it's just not my favorite but that doesn't mean if you guys enjoyed it then great I'm I love that for you and and I'm you know tell okay. me tell me what you love about it you know I'm, I'm cool if you like something that I didn't and vice versa we've talked about that on this show a lot a lot we've talked about it a lot a lot so here's the thing about that and then we can get back to Halloween because now you're mixing franchises <laughs> and that's a no-no but, oh okay I thought it was our show but okay <laughs> but I remember when Jason X came out and we went and we saw the trailers and we were like, that's going to be badass. And we went to the theater and we liked it. We like, did. It's just that now that we're older and tastes have changed yeah. a little bit. The movie didn't age well. Yeah. But I don't, it, it almost can fall into the same category as this one. It's not a good movie, but it could be a fun movie if you like it. Yeah. So. Yeah. The thing. It's fine. It's that- probably okay. <laughs> The things that worked for us as 20-year-olds don't work for us as 40-year-olds. You know, it happens. That's true. But I just wanted to apologize for that. If I came across as one of those Friday the 13th fanboys. Well, you'd be a fangirl. But... You know what I mean. <laughs> But no, I've just wanted to say, you know, I'm sorry if I came across that way to anybody. That was not my intention. So moving along, Halloween 3. 
<laughs> yes. Are you sure you're not drunk? Yes, I'm sure I'm not drunk. I don't know what it is about this movie that just turns me into a giggly bitch. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I still, I still hold this movie in very high regard and we'll still watch it when it's not Halloween. I, I, you know, it was, it was fun to go back and revisit this one. Yeah, I, I still give it a watch. I know we're not really rating these things. First, you should listen to our podcast and which, well, that's, <laughs> well, that's useless because you already are. <laughs> Fuck me. And, <laughs> and that's an offer. Um, you should just watch the movie. Yes. It's worth a watch. Yes. If you've is. never seen it. Like, if you're one of those people that's like, I don't know, I've never seen Predator before. Or I've never seen Bloodsport before. Watch this one too. Why are you calling Megan out right now? I didn't. <laughs> you, you just did. No, you did. You just said you her name. You were like, oh, if you haven't seen Predator before. I was just throwing out some of, the, you know. some of the classics. You're the one that named her. I'll have you know. No one would have known. As of recording. completely anonymous. As of recording, she has watched Predator. And today, we actually just finished talking. Today, she's going to watch Bloodsport. So, there you go. I just want you to acknowledge that I did not call her out. You Ma- did. Megan, I'm sorry. I love you. You did. <laughs> you outed her. But no, in, in all no seriousness. Um, in all seriousness, this is still an absolute watch for me, and and I guess it is for you too. We had we had so much fun, and looking back on it a year later, it's still a fun memory. Early in our podcasting days, um, where we, I, I guess it was just really the first time we had cut loose and just relaxed with an episode. Well, you kept telling me that I was too uptight. You were like, "Hey, have a drink, relax a little bit. It'll be great." <laughs> Oh, I did. Well, you know, we so did you. We've changed the way we we our style has changed a lot in a year. Whereas in the beginning, we were like, I don't know the first thing about podcasting. What do we do? So we looked to our peers and we're like, what are they doing? So in the beginning, we it was a kind of a more or less scripted show. Well, we made a mistake. We watched, or rather, we watched people on YouTube that do movie reviews, and we listened to podcasts for people that have done movie reviews. But what we never took into account is that all the people that we were watching and listening to had been doing it for years and they'd had time to nail down them and right. their thing. Uh-huh. We didn't have a thing yet, so we tried to script it in similar fashion to, you know, maybe what some other people were doing. Not to copy them specifically, but like, okay. We had no idea do, what we were doing. They do this thing every time, so we need to have a thing that we do that's ours that we do every time. And then they do it like this every time, so we need to figure out a way for us to do it like this every time. And it, it didn't go well. No, it didn't. We, we had a lot of conversations about, you know, we'd get done with the recording, we wouldn't feel great about it we'd be like this doesn't feel organic and this doesn't feel like us you know and Travis was getting frustrated because he was sitting and sometimes taking 20 pages worth of notes and I remember in the some of the beginning episodes telling him honey like let's just talk about the movie nobody cares about our endless <laughs> endless useless facts you know I do they make me happy but well yeah you know. but again we were looking at what some of the other content creators were doing where they're giving out all this information but we don't necessarily have to give out all that information yeah I mean I was looking up like, so on the fourth day of shooting, he had eggs for breakfast. (laughs) None of you give a shit about that. Right. None of you. Right. And we're just getting way too detailed about it. Yeah. So. So I think over the course of the year, we have found what works for us and that, yes, we will still give you that knowledge, but we also just want to be ourselves and relax and have a good time with this because ultimately that's why we're here is to spend time together and bullshit and hopefully somebody 
listens to it and enjoys it too. I think what it is, is that when we decided to do this, it's because we, when we're driving somewhere, we just sit in the car and talk shit about movies and music and whatever. And then for some reason, when we sat down to do the podcast, we thought we needed to change that. So we just kind of went back to that. Yeah. It just felt very stiff and we're just going to sit and talk about shit. Yeah. Uptight. And I guess this is where maybe the running joke with uh, you and Kent started the seeds of this here is because I was very nervous about, do I sound okay? Am I? do I sound nervous? And Kent would give me a hard time and say, well, Travis sounded great. You sound like you're you're nervous. But he also did tell me, don't worry, as you're doing this longer, it's going to become more natural to you. And it did. It You yeah. know, eventually it did. And, you know, sometimes I still say things that are probably cringe and I still probably deliver my opinions in a way that somebody's like, oh my God, I hate her. <laughs> I I don't care. I feel like if you're here and you've stuck with us for a year, you know what my shtick is. You know what Travis is. And I think that you and I work very well off well, of each other. They don't know all of mine because you edit it out. <laughs> like there's a whole different level there. They're sex workers, honey. I'm an, I'm an onion and there are many, many layers. I'm a large onion with many layers. <laughs> you only let them see the first two. That is a nice boulder. That's right. <laughs> but no, I think uh, I think we have much more fun now than we used to when we were just trying to please a certain demographic. And anybody who decides that they want to get into this, that's my best advice. Just be yourself. You know, we've had guests on the show before that have been like, oh my God, I don't think I can sit here and talk in front of a bunch of people. And my answer is always, you're not. You're talking to us. It just happens to go out to a bunch of people. So that's what I always say. I'm looking at you across from me our mics across from each other and we're just having a conversation right so i think that took a lot of the pressure off and has allowed us to get to the point that we are now still very small potatoes <laughs> right yeah i think i you know my i think my advice for podcasters not that that's what we're doing right now but if you're going to get into it be yourself get a good mic you're gonna need a good mic and a computer and a big tub of vaseline and a chicken <laughs> and wait no this is not that episode <laughs> That's going to get cut later. <laughs> oh, no, I'm leaving it because now I love to torture you, too. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I can they hurt your feelings all day long. I just don't want to hurt know, anyone else's. <laughs> they don't even know how much crazy shit I say on here. Well, Kent does. Kent knows about some crazy shit that I say. <laughs> but anyway, don't really go buy Vaseline and a chicken. Don't do it. No. Don't. But do the mic and the, the computer. Yeah. Leave, Make your leave, chicken taste very leave odd. petroleum and livestock out of it. <laughs> And now, guys, without further ado, please enjoy our episode of Halloween 3. You know, relive all the stuff you enjoyed. Or if you're listening to it for the first time, we hope that you enjoy this episode as much as we did making it. And Tom Atkins' mustache. And Tom Atkins' bare ass. Enjoy, guys. Warning. The following show features spoilers and opinions performed either by professionals or under the supervision of professionals. Accordingly, Dead and Married and the producers must insist that no one attempt to recreate or reenact any opinion or fuckery performed on this show. Don't you have any Halloween spirit? No. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dead and Married. I'm your host, Ashley. I'm Travis. And today we're going to be talking about Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. That's right, John. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. <laughs> Made in 1982. Directed by Tommy Lee Wallace. And some of you may know him from Amityville 2, The Possession, Fright Night Part 2, and he did the TV miniseries of It. 
Yes, one of my personal favorites. So it was also written by Tommy Lee Wallace. John Carpenter, he was uncredited, and Nigel Neal, who was also uncredited. So there was no small amount of writing drama on this particular movie. John Carpenter said in an interview with Charles Bollinger for the book, uh, John Carpenter, Prince of Darkness, that the original director for Halloween 3 was supposed to be Joe Dante. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, and so he approached Nigel Neal to write a film, write the film while Neal was living in Hollywood and doing a remake of The Creature of the Black Lagoon for John Landis. Huh, I didn't know that either. that movie never got made, and Dante wanted a new and different story than the two previous films, so he suggested that Neil write a treatment around the word Halloween, although based on other reports, John Carpenter had always wanted a different Halloween-themed story for each film. It was going to be like an anthology. Yeah, yeah, It was all based around Halloween, but, Uh you know, basically a different story every time. The producers liked the idea, and after Joe Dante moved on to another project... John Carpenter's regular collaborator, Tommy Lee Wallace, came in as a new director. Neil initially blamed the drastic changes on his script to producer Dino De Laurentiis, mm-hmm. who also did the Evil Dead series. Mm-hmm. Not understanding his dialogue when it was translated to Italian, uh, Neil requested his writing screen credit be removed once his comical mystery screenplay was rewritten by an uncredited Carpenter, and then later Wallace, who received the sole credit as the writer. Because huh. they wanted it to include more gore and simplified the story. Mm. So, in a, in a panel at the 2013 Years of Terror convention in Pasadena, Tommy Lee Wallace was asked by the moderator to explain, as the sole credited screenwriter, the connection between spoilers, <laughs> the different components, we'll say that, uh-huh. in this. And his entire response was, it's magic, man. <laughs> so that's how he explained his script. Okay, Sure. <laughs> So, interesting beginning. And this is not the only one. I've already started researching some of the other movies that we're going to do. And apparently, there's always drama surrounding a Halloween script. Especially when you get to part five. Like, that's... Well, maybe part six is worse. But, yeah, there's definitely been drama surrounding everything from part two and on, especially with the Thorn trilogy, which we'll dive into later. Number four, which I've already started on since we're doing that one next, Mm -hmm. is pretty bad. Yeah. But it was all uh, Mustafa Akkad that got involved with it. Yeah. So He was basically like, I just want Michael Myers to kill people. I don't care about anything else. I just want him to kill people. Like, right, but it was bad enough that He was a big on, fan of that formula. Right, but on number four, it got bad enough that that's when John Carpenter and Debbie... What was her name? I can't remember. Anyway, they basically sold out their rights to the movie after that. Yeah. So, always drama when it comes to a Halloween script. Right. So, cast and crew in this one. we've It stars Tom Atkins as Daniel oh, Chalice. The, the national treasure, the best man alive, the legendary mustache. His mustache is secondary to Tom Selleck's. I knew you were going to say and that. And Sam Elliott's. I knew you were going to say that. So, he's a third place, no. maybe. No, I don't think so. Have you seen Sam Elliott's mustache? Yeah, okay, you got nobody, me. Nobody can you got me. You got me there. All right, there you go. <laughs> All right. Anyway, but Tom Atkins was also in The Fog and Escape from New York. He's been in a ton of different stuff. I mean, Creep Show. He did Creep Show as So well. a movie that I feel is completely underrated that does not get any credit is Night of the Creeps. Tom Atkins is just pure gold in that movie. Like, I had never seen that movie before and watched it just, I guess, last year. And I was like, where has this movie been all my life, for one? And two, why aren't more people talking about this movie? Because he's just a fucking legend in that movie. Well, maybe when October's over, we need to add that to the list. But <laughs> sure. at any rate, I, this is a very, 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 very short list for Tom Atkins because the dude's been in a ton of stuff. A lot oh, of yeah. it was TV. I think he usually plays a cop uh, or a PI or something. Something like that. He yeah. was like, he was in the Rockford Files. I've never heard of that. <laughs> You've never seen the Rockford no. Files? Oh shit! I used to watch that when I was a kid. Well, there's like three years between us, so 
Yep. Ugh. So I, I think of Tom Atkins, I think, yeah, Halloween 3, Night of the Creeps. Escape from New York. Maniac Cop. Yeah, Escape from New York. And then, of course, they brought him back for um, My Bloody Valentine remake. So, yeah. Dude's just, like I said, he's a national treasure. <laughs> that's, that's one of my um, old man boyfriends. <laughs> so before we get too sidetracked, there were other people in this movie than Tom Atkins. <laughs> <laughs> Not as far as I'm concerned. So, Stacy Nelkin played Ellie Grimbridge, and Dan, I'm going to get this last name wrong. Oh, O'Herlihy? You're interrupting. <laughs> Dan O'Herlihy, I think, plays Connell Cochran in Robocop! Now, I know him from The Last Starfighter. I don't know if you ever watched that. Like, no, I did not. come on TBS. But, but anyway. I, I do know that Lance Guest was in that, and he was also in Halloween 2. Right. But Dan also did Robocop and Robocop 2, and he was in Woo-woo! Twin Peaks. Yes, he was in Twin Peaks. He was... Oh, my gosh. I can't remember his name right off the top of my head. But he... Oh, Andrew. Andrew Packard. He was Josie's husband that she... Like well, he thought, faked his death. Yeah. But listen, Twin Peaks is not something we can get into right you now. Know That's what? way too complicated. You know what? Twin Peaks is gospel. Okay? We would have to do a whole season dedicated to nothing but Twin Maybe Peaks. we should. But that's really most of the characters in this movie, the actors that you would know probably from other stuff. Yeah. Uh, the only other one of note, and I, I don't mean that in a derogatory sense, is Garn Stevens. She plays no. Marge, which is a tiny role in this movie. But what's significant about her is that she was actually married to Tom Atkins at the time of filming. Okay. But you're, so, you are false because Nancy Keyes is in this movie and she plays Tom Atkins' wife. She was Annie bracket in how the first halloween okay so she is definitely probably more of note than most people in this movie okay i missed that one hey jerk speed kills (laughs) (laughs) so some of the notes on halloween three um and i I don't want to get too crazy about some of the tech stuff, but it was really interesting to me. I learned some new stuff about these. So it opened theatrically on October of 1982, which was the same weekend as First Blood. So Aww, wonderful movie. It is a wonderful movie, <laughs> but Halloween 3 grossed a total of 14400000 in the U.S., which was, at the time, it was the worst performing Halloween movie in the franchise. Right. And there were several other horror films that premiered in 1982 that performed way better, including Poltergeist, Friday the 13th Part 3, and Creepshow. Good movie. The good news is Halloween 3 didn't stay on bottom because later Halloween 5 will replace it as the worst (laughs) Halloween movie ever. With good reason. Well, worst Halloween movie when it comes to financial performance at the box office. (laughs) So critically, Halloween 3 did not do well at all. Yeah. The overall response was negative. The New York mm-hmm. Times reviewer Vincent Canby struggled to apply a definite label to, or to the film's content. He said that Halloween 3 manages the not easy feat of being anti-children, anti-capitalism, anti-television, and anti-Irish all at the <sighs> same time. For fuck's sake. Roger Ebert wrote that the film was a low-rent thriller from the first frame. It's one of those identikit movies assembled out of familiar parts from other, better movies. And then he included this film on his most hated list, which you can find on their website. Ugh. So lame. But this is where it's going to hurt your heart. It includes uh. Cyborg. <gasps> no! Constantine, which you won't care about. Eh. Critters 2. Eh. Resident Evil. Resident Evil Apocalypse. Eh. And Hellraiser 2. <gasps> are all on his most hated list. Oh, he's wrong. But the reason that most critics and fans disliked the film was because they were disappointed that Michael Myers wasn't Of course. In it. However, it has gained a cult following among some audiences. As well it should. So there's been some people really dig into this movie, and there's a historian named Nicholas Rogers who points out the anti-corporate message 
mm-hmm. that's involved here mm-hmm. where you get an otherwise successful businessman that seeks to promote a more robotic future for commerce and manufacture. Cochran's astrological obsessions and psychotic hatred of children overrode his business sense. I'm still Tony- pissed off about Cyborg. <laughs> like, that movie is the best. Tony Williams argues that the film's Long plot signified the results of the victory of patriarchal corporate control. So... Martin Harris wrote some stuff, too, about an ongoing cynical commentary on American consumer culture. Uh. Some people hated it because Michael Myers weren't in it. And then you had others that liked it because they were reading a bunch of well, and it political was and societal stuff into different. it. Different. You know... If they had gone on and made this an anthology, I think that would have been totally badass. So listen, on when we did Tales from the Hood, I, I talked about how I have a hard time with anthology films because for the most part, they you know you get an hour, hour and a half with them with the characters. If that, but it's divided into you know four or five different parts, and so you don't really get to know the characters in any one of those shorts. Uh huh. Now had they done this the way John Carpenter intended it, where every one of them was. Yeah. Uh, you know, an 80, 90 minute, even two hour, mm-hmm. potentially, movie as part of a larger anthology. But within that hour, hour and a half, you get to spend the time with the characters and like them, <sighs> hate them, whatever it is, care about what the ending looks like. I could have gotten into an anthology like that. I just feel like the way they wrapped up Halloween 2 was very conclusive. They wrapped it up very well. And I will, well, I mean, when we cover Halloween 4. I did a lot of research on that one, and they really struggled to overcome the ending of Halloween too. Right, I can imagine. And, and like, we'll talk about that. When you guys we get are going to get blown up in a room, and you're going to come back with just some like little menial scars. Well, like, <laughs> listen, there's okay. a whole there's a whole story behind that. We'll have to get we'll have to get into that one later. Right. But so overall, ratings wise, IMDb it's a five out of ten. And Metascore gives it a 50. So both of those are, you know, half and half. Half the people like it, half the people hate it. Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 41%. They're wrong. They're all wrong. I mean, that's just how it is. But you didn't see this. Did Was this your first time watching it this week? It was not the first time I've watched it. It's probably the first time I've watched it and paid attention. I, I've watched it like three times now. I'd only watched it once before. We watched it a couple times getting ready for this. I remember watching this as a teenager. Um, My granny had it on VHS, which, oh my God, if she still has it, I'm totally going to raid her shit and take it. But I remember watching it at her house, like I said, on VHS. And I thought basically like everybody else does. I'm like, where the fuck is Michael Myers? What the hell's going on here? And so at the time... And I probably wasn't more than 15 or 16 years old. So at the time, I didn't get it. And I didn't know, you know, what John Carpenter's intention was for the series. So I wouldn't say that I was pissed, you know, like most people have gotten. But there was definitely a thing of where the hell is he? But now as an adult, obviously, I have learned to appreciate it for what it is. It's such a bizarre movie. It's um, it's like Invasion of the Body Snatchers almost. So it was actually supposed to be more of a pod movie. Yeah. Not a slasher. Yeah. And that's, again, part of the reason that people didn't like it. Yeah. But as an adult, I love it for that now, that it's it's different. You know, it's something that stands out from the rest. And as a sequel, it's certainly not worse than any of the ones that followed it, for damn sure. I mean, I am a fan of part four, obviously, um, as I talked about last week, but... It's a very good movie, and a lot of people will say, well, hey, yeah, it's a great movie. Just don't call it a Halloween movie, and that's fair, I guess. If this had been a standalone, I don't know that it would have done as well, you know, in, in the cult following that it has now, but... Well, honestly, they probably sold a lot of those tickets because they put the Halloween label on it. Right. 
with the number three behind it. And right. people were expecting to get Michael Myers. Yeah, they're like, what is this? What witches? Like, what's going on here? But from what I saw on the uh, sort of the production notes and history behind this thing, they never put it out there that Michael Myers was in it. Right. So when they were promoting this film, they, they I didn't see anything that they went to intentionally mislead the audience into thinking this was another Michael Myers no, film. No, no. Yes, it way. was the third in a series of movies. Mm-hmm. Nothing there indicated that Michael was going to be in it. If and, anything, hey, the, the trailers and such kind of pointed to the fact that he wasn't in it. If you so, want to get all technical, technically Michael Myers is in the movie. <laughs> well. <laughs> As is Laurie yeah. Strode. <laughs> yeah, they are. If you count the ad on the TV and then the movie playing later is Chalice is tied up. <laughs> right. I think that's a spoiler, though, so we probably should go ahead and do the spoiler review. Oh, shit. You got me. So we open up on our credits with you see these pixelated lines showing and eventually they end up revealing a jack-o'-lantern and I guess it's on a computer. I remember computers like that. <laughs> you don't, but I do. Really cool. Really different. I mean, obviously... And nothing's creepier than, you know, zooming in t- slowly to that jack-o'-lantern in the first movie. But this was a different take. And obviously, if just from these credits alone, you know that you're getting into something different. So I don't hate it. It's pretty good. But we see a man running under an overpass in Northern California. He's being chased by a car. So he hides in a nearby junkyard and then he's found by a strange man in a suit. Very uh, Smith looking from the Matrix. And he starts getting strangled. Like um, the old man starts getting strangled by this guy in the suit. And he attempts to pull this chain from another car. And he ends up causing this uh, car to roll. And this part just cracks me up so much. He pulls this car. And the car starts rolling. And he hits this guy. And he just has the very... Oh, reaction is it's going to be the most boring <laughs> look I've ever seen on a, on the face of someone getting killed in a movie. That's literally what he does. He gets squished. He's just like, oh, which is what I imagine I would do. Like, he had the same look on his face that you'd have like when your your football team loses. <laughs> I don't know. It was just kind of like a, well, damn it, <laughs> sort of look. And then when it squishes him, he just like, I'll take a nap now. Right. <laughs> he just, just sort of lays over. He does. Anyway, so another man exits the car in pursuit, but the man gets away. The old man. So an hour later, we cut to a gas station where an attendee is watching the news on a story revealing that the blue stone of Stonehenge was stolen nine months ago and they still have no clues to its whereabouts. Okay, I feel like I need to clarify something (laughs) for historical reasons there. So you've got your sarsen stones there, which are the great big ones that weigh up to like 25 tons. And then the blue stones, plural, <laughs> which are the smaller stones, which weigh Sorry. two to five tons. Stones. Well, I want to be clear that there's not just one <laughs> called the blue stone. <laughs> all right, laugh all you want. History's okay, important, I'm damn it. I'm sorry, it's the way you said it. Anyway, and then later in the movie, well, we'll get to that, but... Yeah, so there's not one specific stone at Stonehenge called the blue stone. The blue uh-huh. stone is the type of stone they use for the smaller stones, which weigh between two and five tons. Okay. Now that I've bored everyone, please continue. <laughs> so anyway, the news goes to a break, and an ad comes on. And if you know this movie as well as I do, you know exactly what fucking ad it is. It's a jingle singing Eight More Days to Halloween. 
and I will not bother you guys with attempting to sing that jingle. Please don't. (laughs) But it's telling the kids to pick up the new Silver Shamrock Halloween masks, the big three, which is not the big three we're used to. So so hang on, hang on, hang on. Let Let me bore you with some more facts. Because okay. I think that's kind of gonna that's gonna be my shtick. Like the more we do this, the more I figure out where I belong in this thing. I'm the useless facts person. You need to be the one doing all the. Yeah, you know. no, We're, we'll take turns. Like you need to be the showrunner. I'll yeah, no. just do the. Nobody facts. likes me. You're the one with the good radio voice. So the remember? silver shamrock song. Don't push your luck. Is actually set to London Bridge is falling down. Right. And the only reason they picked it is because it was public domain and it was free. Oh, okay. So they built the song around that so they could save money. Wow. Cheap I mean, asses. makes sense, but I mean, these were... These that were... sounds like some cheap shit I would do, though. <laughs> anyway, there's three big masks to choose from. They're fun, they're frightening, and they glow in the dark. Ooh. So lightning flashes and the power goes out. So a storm begins and the attendee... Gets up to find out what the hell is going on and he could, because he's hearing noises outside. When he suddenly jumped from behind by the man that was being pursued by the men in suits earlier. He pulls out a jack-o'-lantern mask and he says they're coming before he passes out. So we see that the attendee is obviously taking this old guy to the hospital or presumably to the hospital. And we see one of the suited men watching from the shadows. So then we are introduced to Dan Chalice, man's man extraordinaire. Third runner up on mustaches. (laughs) And he's going to visit his children and clearly exasperated ex-wife. He has he has a paper bag with him, and he brought them masks. So you know what would have made this movie better? What? If they'd have played like 70s porno music every time he was on screen. Oh, that would be epic. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so he pulls out these masks and the kids, greedy little shits that they are, are like, but we already have masks. Like, Okay, so I missed it. Who bought the masks? Did the ex-wife buy the masks or did the ex-wife's boyfriend buy the masks? Which ones? The silver shamrock masks that they had. She did. She bought them. Okay. Yeah. And it's kind of implied... Because later on she gives him the sign like, well, you're just jealous. <laughs> so clearly there's a little bit of unspoken competition got going some on here. going on Yeah. Here. So he's, they inform him, well, they've heard, we already got masks. And so they take out their silver shamrock mask and they start singing the jingle. I, I don't have to sing it, do I? Please don't. Like I'm, I'm way too. <laughs> You've had too many margaritas to sing. So he attempts some small talk with his ex-wife and it goes over as well as you expect it to. But he suddenly gets beat and we don't know by who yet, but he uh, goes to grab her phone as the kids watch the ad again on TV. Do you remember that when you were a kid? Like the eighty late 80s, early 90s? You wouldn't remember the late 80s as much as I would. They had commercials for different toys and different movies. And if it was geared toward Excuse kids. Excuse me. I was born in 83. I remember more of the 80s than you Okay, think. so in 89, <laughs> I was nine and you would have been six. Okay, but so, still, I remember plenty. But you remember the, like, they would, like, <laughs> Toys R Us commercials uh-huh. played, like, every 15 minutes, no matter what. Right. Like, every commercial break, you were going to get a Toys R Us commercial. If there was a movie coming out where they were pushing kids' toys. Yeah. Like, all the time. Yeah. So it, it feels like when you're just watching it, if you weren't a kid back then, mm-hmm. that they're really overdoing the, the promotion of yeah. these masks. But damn it, I was there. And they did that <laughs> shit. I don't think like I Ninja remember. Turtles. Ninja Turtles were a big deal when I was a kid. 
As it was mine. I'll be damned if they didn't run Ninja Turtle commercial like <laughs> I every get, five seconds. I guess I don't remember ads being run over and over and over like that unless it was a Saturday morning. Yeah. And and when I think back on those days, I look back on it and I thank God for streaming services where you can skip that shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just different times we live you in. You know how much shit we'd have to buy if our kids could see commercials? I don't know that we would, honestly, because... When our kids, or our older kids were little, they were still living in that time where they would watch Nick Jr. during the day and they would show ads for toys. But I don't know. It's Which is obviously... why we were keeping Nickelodeon's merchandise division <laughs> in business. Right. We bought all the Backyardigans and Blue's Clues things. Every damn bit of it. <laughs> but no, kids are just different now. And that's, you know, Isabel doesn't require nearly as many toys as the older two did. So... Do you remember when Frozen came out? <laughs> True. Do you Frozen and My Little Pony. <laughs> oh my God. True. True, true. Could okay. we be buying more ponies? <laughs> okay, Chandler. <laughs> anyway, we digress, of course. But he gets this page and he suddenly has to take off. But so from that, we learn that Chalice is an emergency room doctor. Whoa, that's good. Because it used to be the only time the only time people got paid is they were pimps or drug dealers. <laughs> anyway. Which with that mustache, he could go either way. <laughs> so we see um, Chalice in the ER and he's being taken to the man that we saw being chased earlier. And they say he's in stable condition, but he is at the time unconscious until he is awakened by the jingle on TV. Okay, I feel like I got to do it one time. No, you don't. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it's like eight more days till okay, Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. I can insert the jingle into this recording. <laughs> no, they want to hear me sing. Not really, but still. <laughs> Who is they? <laughs> I don't. Our listeners. Anyway, so this jingle is playing and it wakes the guy up. And he weakly tells Chalice, they're going to kill us. All of us. And Chalice is like, get this guy some Thorazine or whatever. She so, has the same drug that they prescribed to Michael in the first one. Yeah, yeah, did she? Because um, the nurse told him that he wouldn't be able to. What was it? He wouldn't be able to stand, and he, he's like, that's pretty much exactly well, the I way we want it. That's not the point. It's the point that doctors just prescribe the same shit. Doesn't matter who you are. Let's just give him the same shit. Same shit. Pushing drugs for big pharma. Well, I'm sorry. I'm done. I'm sorry. Is one time when I chopped my fingertips off and got to get morphine. Morphine. I'm not gonna complain. Okay. So anyway, outside the hospital, we see one of the suited men approaching. The Smiths. The Smiths. Not to be confused with the band. The Smiths. <laughs> I am the sun. Anyway, um, so Chalice checks in on the old man and one of many times in this film that he flirts with somebody, he first starts flirting with this nurse, an older lady, and slaps her on the ass. That woman's old enough to be his mother. <laughs> like, he has no shame. He Flirts really so didn't. He's just going to get it where the getting's good. Different times, man. Different times. So I'm pretty sure now he'd be sued into non-existence. <laughs> right. But... I couldn't believe he slapped a nurse on the ass. <laughs> I know. What's worse, she slaps him back. I know. Different times, like I said. But, I mean, if it's just me, get a pop on the ass by Tom Atkins. I'm like, hey. <laughs> You'd tackle him after that. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Anyway, so he says he's going to go take a nap, 
And we see that the suited man is kind of lurking through the hospital. And he starts approaching the old man and putting on gloves, as you do. And he goes into his nose. His nose? <laughs> he does go into his nose. He but- does technically go into his nose. <laughs> but what I mean is he goes into his room, right? Yeah. And he grabs, like, right on the... It's like he reaches in through the eye sockets and grabs underneath the bridge of his nose and yeah. pulls it up. Yeah, it's it's very weird, very, I don't okay, know. Okay, so I have, a, I have, I don't want to say a complaint about it, but it's just an observation. So throughout this entire movie, the androids get very creative with their kills. <gasps> they don't know they're androids yet. Shh. We already gave the spoiler warning. <laughs> they're fucking androids. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> But they exercise an autonomy of thought that you wouldn't expect from an android. Okay. They get creative with shit. They're like fucking Bob Ross of killing people, okay? If you say so. And I, I guess they're good ex- at it. They though. are particularly sadistic about the way they kill people. Yeah. Like it would have been easy to just snap the dude's neck. Yeah. But instead, he reaches inside his eye sockets and pulls the like face he, bones up. He gave him a nose job. He did. <laughs> but it's just... I don't know. I don't don't feel like they explore that part in this movie enough. So then what cracks me up is that he goes to clean his gloves on the hospital room curtains. Fucking just wipe them (laughs) up. Like, ew. Dude, you got like an Intel processor in you and that's the smartest... Like, I'm just going to clean them on the curtains? (laughs) I guess. Actually, what would that have been back then? Like a Pentium 1? (laughs) I don't know. Okay. If that's the case, he's not that smart. Never mind. So the nurse uh, walks in as the man is leaving, and of course she starts screaming as she discovers the body and wakes Chalice up from his nap. Because that's what ER doctors do. (laughs) Right? Right? Or they play fucking SpongeBob on. Slap nurses on the ass and take a nap. Should have wear you up. (laughs) So he starts to pursue the guy into the parking lot. And this was, the, I remember watching this for the first time and thinking this was the strangest fucking scene. Because at this point, you you don't know that they're androids. So he watches the guy get into the car, douse himself with fucking gasoline and light himself on fire. And then That's the car, what you thought was weird about that? Yeah, I, well, the first time I was watching okay. it, yes. So <laughs> that a doctor would chase this guy who just killed someone into the parking lot, that's weird. I really feel like that wouldn't have happened. I feel like he would have run to a nurse's station and called the police. Probably. I don't think he would have followed the murderer. But it's Tom Atkins, so he's a hero. But again, okay, (laughs) so he's reacting the way he would have, like in the Rockford Files, not the way a doctor would react. (laughs) He's channeling James Garner. Oh, shit. So yeah, he, he lights himself on fire and the car like explodes. And, I mean, it's like reliving Ben Tramer's death from part two all over again. <laughs> Not that you know what that means. I have no idea what you're talking about Because you're a right horrible now. person. Well, you haven't covered that one, so I haven't really watched it. <laughs> anyway, so the next thing we do is we cut to Chalice calling his wife to let her know that he can't pick up the kids. She's obviously upset. And this is just one of many times that Chalice is going to blow off his kids in favor of something else. So just be prepared for that. But he explains, and this time he's telling the truth, that it's utter chaos at the hospital and makes plans to get them, I think he said Saturday night or something. And 
he sees he com- he catches that mask, the jack-o'-lantern mask that the old man was hanging on to. So we cut to the next day, which is Sunday the 24th, in the murdered man's room. And a young woman shows up and asks what happened to her father, or asks to see her father, see his body, and then is like, what the fuck? Like, what happened to my dad? So they say it was probably drug dealers. Or, no, not drug dealers. Say there's somebody on drugs. Okay, but she reacts the same way a normal person would to that sheriff. She's like, are you fucking kidding me? Drugs? Yeah. Like, that's the best you got? Well, I always crack up at her face, and I realize that it's her dad. Okay, hang on, though. <laughs> She's like, Stop what right there. happened? Right there. Stop right there. So before you say anything about her reaction, according to Roger Ebert... <laughs> She was the best part of this movie. Uh, that's only because, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> I think maybe he thought by saying that he'd get in her pants. I mean, it worked for Woody Allen, so oh, maybe he thought it worked for him. Let's not fucking go there. Hey, she dated the guy. Not uh, me. Not, gross. Yeah. So gross. And I don't know that she was 18 when she did it. But... Uh, yeah, let's not get into that bullshit. Uh, so there's a whole movie on, what, Netflix? Is it Netflix or Prime? No, HBO Max. HBO Max. You should totally watch it. It's about how Woody Allen's an asshole. Watch yeah, it. basically. In a nutshell. But anyway, so the cops want her to kind of stay nearby during the investigation. They're just like, hang out, whatever. And Chalice is leaving his shift at this point, And he sees Ellie. He sees her crying, but he's like, meh. The <laughs> goes on. He, he hasn't moved into the I'm going to go comfort her mode yet. <laughs> well. Don't be gross. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking <laughs> We'll get there. Spoilers. We'll get there. Anyway, a few days later, which is now October 27th, back at the hospital in the which, coroner's office. Pause. By the way, for those of you wondering, this was actually the 1982 calendar when they shot it. It is chronologically correct. The dates oh, and the days and dates that they show in there are chronologically accurate for the year that this movie was made. Hmm. So anyway... <laughs> Chalice is asking about the case with the assistant coroner, a woman named Teddy, like I said, about the case. And she, at this point, doesn't know anything. The way the man was murdered seems odd. And that's pretty much all they got at this point. So Chalice urges her to investigate. But she says that she can't do that, but will do what she can after some kind of, again, mild flirtation. (laughs) So... Later, we cut to Chalice at the bar having a drink, smoking, and watching cartoons. And he asks the bartender to change the channel, and it's changed to a channel running an ad for the immortal classic, Halloween, followed by an ad for, again, Silver Shamrock. But Chalice is annoyed and wants the channel changed again. And at this point, Ellie shows up and introductions are made between the two of them. And she asks him or thanks him for attending the funeral and wants to know if her father said anything to him before he died. And he lies. You know, he's trying to be sweet. And he says, tell Ellie. He's trying to get in her pants. He says, tell Ellie that I love her. But... She knows that that's bullshit, and he explain he ends up going over the night's events to her. 
So we cut to Ellie taking Chalice to a store that her father owned and it's a toy and novelty store. And she reveals she's investigating her father's murder and indicates that her father needed to pick up an order of silver shamrock masks. And he ran into trouble into Santa Mira, which is where the plant is. And that- So that's actually also the same setting as Invasion of the Body Snatchers that was filmed in 1956. Same Co-winky-dink? Town. I think so. Well, this was supposed to be a podcast movie (laughs) anyway so we go to the next scene where chalice is once again blowing off his children in favor of something else more exciting and he's got a (laughs) six-pack yeah what is it miller light or miller Miller high life Life. (laughs) yeah so he's got a six-pack miller high life when he's at the payphone go for miller high life right now (laughs) because that's what's necessary for research (laughs) so he's blaming this on A work-related issue, obviously. It was just going to be a bunch of boring doctor's meetings and stuff like that. But, obviously, he's really off to go on this adventure with Ellie. So, they make their way to Santa Mira, discussing the town history, which I will not go into. But, the town, it's very gloomy looking. The people are kind of off, you know what I mean? They're just, you saw that they were just kind of... Well, they refer to it as a company town. Yeah. Where, I guess, the entire... The entire town was built up around it, which i that's not something that really happens now. But I guess back in the day, it was a thing where they would have like a gold mine and then the company that owned it would build a bunch of towns or a bunch of uh, houses to house the workers. And it happened in other industries as well, mm-hmm. which actually this was the, the, the Silver Shamrock factory. And this one's actually a pulp, a paper pulp factory mm-hmm. uh, that they used for the the silver shamrock mask factory in this movie but yeah but you know what i mean they're all like looking at them through the windows or i think one of the masked guys was like waiting in an alley in the shadows and like it's very very creepy there's a lot of really yeah just creepy behavior yeah from the townspeople yeah very sketch it's almost like trolls yeah, yeah, like Trolls 2. Yeah. Yeah, all exactly. The people in the town are just watching them like everybody's in on it except for the two people that are coming in. Yeah, yeah. It's like no bug. <laughs> anyway, they uh, they find the plant, but before going there, they decide, obviously, like, we need a plan before we go here. And so they decide that they're going to get a hotel room so that they can talk in private. And pose as husband and wife. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we know what they're going to do. And- I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Anyway, Ellie goes in and, you know, she stopped by the hotel attendant or manager and he's leading her to the room with Chalice uses this opportunity to sneak off and go look at the hotel guest book. And they say that, uh, oh, there's a car going by and he's like, oh, that's, uh, Connell or Mr. Cochran, Connell Cochran. And the car is driving by very slowly and suspiciously. So we already get the indication that this you know, there's something evil there's about a, it. There's a very palpable distrust of outsiders in this town. Yes. But also, at the point where Chalice sneaks away, mm-hmm. and he sneaks a look at the register to see if her father had ever checked into this motel, because I guess it's the only one in town. And sure enough, he had checked mm-hmm. into this motel. But allegedly, and I didn't go back to verify this or anything, but when you go through the list of names on the hotel register, apparently all the other names on the list are names of the crew. Now, I, I could have gone back and watched the movie and pause it and research so that it didn't but that's just one of those rumor things that are that go with this movie mm-hmm. anyway continue so an rv pulls up right about this time and a couple and their child come out and you then... know the way that thing pulled up i would have expected dennis quaid to get out <laughs> dennis quaid you mean randy quaid randy quaid whatever <laughs> vegas vacation 
<laughs> Christmas vacation. <laughs> well, both of them, actually. <laughs> yeah. But, um, shitter's full. <laughs> Sorry. So, they come out and they have a child. And then right about that time, another woman pulls up in a car. And she's complaining about an order mix-up. And this actress was played by Tom Atkins' first wife at yes. the time, correct? Yes. Garn Stevens. Yeah. And she's complaining about an order mix-up and having to stay at this shithole again. And so when Chalice comes back, he tells Ellie that her dad did in fact stay in the hotel. And they agree to go ahead and spend the night. And then they have some back and forth on the sleeping arrangements. And I can't remember specifically where he said he was going to sleep. Like he could sleep in the floor. Well, or... On the floor in the car. And, yeah. And she says, where do you want to sleep? And he <laughs> says, that's a stupid question. <laughs> yeah. Where do you want to sleep? <laughs> yeah, like that is a stupid question. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, so we see another kind of creepy thing where the town starts to shut down for a curfew. And the it was town. It's like 6 p.m. too. Yeah. It was weirdly early. Yeah. And it becomes like, you know, most, most, especially we're at, town starts to shut down, I would say, eight, nine o'clock. And we're in a we're in a bigger town, too. Like, we're close to Fort Worth, and we still shut down pretty early, for uh, the most part. I don't know what time everything closes, but definitely by, say, 9 o'clock, the streets yeah. are pretty well rolled up. Yeah. There's um, a couple places in town still open. Well, your major that, restaurants are open, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, but after 9 o'clock, you're, you're really down to a couple of restaurants. What, Racetrack and an Allsup's? Yeah. I mean... Chili's. <laughs> that's about it. And by... Taco Bell. By 11, it's done. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we see these cameras up along different buildings Oh, yeah, they got surveillance cameras everywhere in this town. Yeah, it's all very creepy. And while Chalice is out, he picks up some liquor, as you do. And uh, as he's walking, a bum jumps out out of nowhere and asks for for a drink. Because he told him that bottle's looking pretty heavy. (laughs) Trying to remember if I've ever said that to anyone. (laughs) I don't think so, but maybe. <laughs> anyway, so Chalice uses the opportunity to ask him what he knows about Cochrane. The man says he hasn't got anything nice to say about him and basically warns him about the cameras and that he's got these plans to burn the factory down. So this guy's basically the doom and gloom character from every other movie. <laughs> You're doomed. Like in Dagon, do you remember the, the old man that was, he, he was the... Uh, like the lone resistance person. Right. You know what I mean? And Ralph. I think it was Ralph. Crazy and, Ralph. Uh, Sorry. that That's immediately where my mind went to. So he's the doomsayer in this movie. It's got a death curse. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, then um, once they part ways, the bum goes to his hideout, but is met by a couple of the suits who proceed to rip his head off at the shoulders. See, that's what I mean. These androids, <laughs> spoilers, get way more creative than they should. Yeah. And I'm like, what did this guy do exactly? Was it just because he ran his mouth to Chalice? Because, I mean, the guy's older, so he's obviously been hiding for some time. And they, with the surveillance cameras, they had to know he was there. So we cut to Ellie returning to the hotel and is startled by Marge, who is the woman who showed up before lone and complaining about her order and having to stay and she starts bitching about the mass business and um she says the quality is becoming real shoddy like look the tags are just coming right off 
And they but par- granted, her kids are throwing against the wall. True. She does include that. <laughs> <laughs> True. Our kids tear up shit all the time. But then at that point, Marge goes to her room. And then we start cutting between Ellie and Marge. And Ellie is taking a shower. And Marge is reading in her bed. And Chalice is following up with Teddy, the coroner's assistant. But at this point, they still have nothing except some plastic ashes. Well, she says that... There was a mistake made. And I don't know if this is the point in the movie where she says that or not. But at one point, and I think this is it, she said somebody got the bags mixed up. And they've been investigating or researching parts from the car and not from the body. Yeah. So at this point, Chalice returns to the hotel room and (laughs) Ellie pretty much seduces him. So they get down with the get down. Meanwhile, Marge, getting ready to sleep, sees the tag or notices the tag laying on the floor. Well, it's like a pog. (laughs) Sort of. It's a pog with some circuitry on the back. Yeah. And she picks it up and starts fucking with it. Um, She takes a hairpin out of her hair and starts to poke at it when all of a sudden this laser shoots right into her face. So Chalice and Ellie hear the commotion, but they're too busy. He's busy. They're they're getting it while they're getting good. He is occupied. (laughs) He is a a purpose-focused man. So they are not even bothered, which is so funny. Actually, he says, who cares? Yeah. If you think about it, you know... That's his real life wife getting fucked up in the other room. I wonder how that went. Like, did they film those scenes at the same time? And that love scene is so awkward. He spends way too much time. He spends some times on the boobies. Yeah. So and it makes it's me very... wonder, did they shoot those at the same time where like his real life wife is next door getting killed oh, and man. he's on the job? I don't care if we're acting or not. I would like take off a shoe and go into that room and start beating you with it. I'm sorry. <laughs> act or not i'm just like beating the hell out of you with my shoe (laughs) i would expect that (laughs) but anyway marge's face is all the way fucked up and did you know that she actually refused to wear the prosthetics for that no the actress did Uh uh-uh she refused so they had to bring a body double for that scene really yeah because she would not put on all the makeup she wouldn't go through all that shit wow they had to bring in a double to play this the death scene i always feel like given the opportunity i would absolutely be (laughs) like listen it's a shorter list of things i won't do (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly i would love to to get get that that. check every year oh yeah well no not that i wouldn't even have to have the money oh no it's all about the money For me, the idea of just getting to be in a movie with that, you know, makeup and stuff would be absolutely fucking awesome. So, anyway. But only if you get that check every year. <laughs> anyway, and then we see a bug crawl out of her mouth and then see some movement under her blankets while there's hissing noises. So, later on, a car awakens uh, Chalice and Ellie as they see a van and man carrying Marge's body out of the hotel room. And Chalice, he's like, I'm a doctor, and he's trying to offer his assistance. And, of course, they're blowing him off. They're shooting him away, assuring him that she's going to get the best medical help from Cochrane. Well, at the factory. Yes, at the factory. factory. So, let me just tell you, I've worked in a factory... And they got shit for medical care in most of them. (laughs) Just saying. I don't think they had any actual medical. 
No, they were just hiding the body, (laughs) but that's not the point. Right. So Cochran shows up and reassures everybody everything's going to be okay and she's going to get the best uh, care possible. And they have emergency care waiting for her to show up. So we then see Cochran and those guys walking off and he's basically like, what the fuck happened, guys? Like, what the hell? And they leave back to the factory. He, you know, there's a bunch of truck or vans and then him following his car or well, you know, somebody's driving him in a car. And at this point, Chalice and Ellie are like, let's get the fuck out of here. But they ultimately decide that they would still rather find out what the hell happened to her dad. So Chalice calls Teddy again. And now Teddy is suspicious because there are no human remains from the exploded car. And so at that point, he asks her, well, go ahead and look into Connell Cochran. So... Uh, the next day, Chalice and Ellie go to the Silver Shamrock factory to find out about her dad's mask order and where he went. They're met by the family that showed up in the RV and they're there to see Cochran and are about to leave when Cochran comes in to greet that family. Well, because he's like the number one salesman of the year yes. or some shit like that for yes. Silver Shamrock masks. Yeah. And he brought his bratty ass problem child kid with him. <laughs> Anyway, so Cochran uses that opportunity to tell tell Chalice and Ellie that Marge is going to be fine. She's being flown to to another hospital and that Ellie's father is going to be replaced completely for free. And he asked the family if they, you know, they're there for a tour, I guess, but... The guy says, well, hey, our friends here, meaning uh, Chalice and Ellie, can they go too? And Cochran reluctantly allows them to come along. Well, you can tell they put him on the spot. Yeah. And so he said yes, but only because there were witnesses. Like, you get that. Right. In in different circumstances, he would have said, fuck you. Yeah. But in this one, he kind of had to say yes. Yeah. So then at that point, uh, Cochran is leading everybody through the factory, showing them how the mask process works. And the boy's wanting a mask really bad, but Cochran won't let him have one off the assembly line. Well, you know, he could have had one. Yeah. The kid could have because they actually contracted Don Post Studios to make these masks. And they were actually, the uh, the Skull and the Witch were masks they already made. The, huh. the pumpkin was the only one they did originally for this movie. So they took original masks and recolored them for the wow. movie. And then they sold them after the fact to promote this movie. Dude, I want my hands on those masks so bad okay, I Okay, those things are fucking it. stupid expensive. I know they are, but we've got three kids. Exactly. They make some fucking more stupid expensive. <laughs> it works out perfectly. No. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> So I've I've said for years, like, either I want our kids to go as those characters from Halloween 3 or as Lock, Stock, and Barrel from The Nightmare Before Christmas. I vote Lock, Stock, and Barrel. (laughs) I vote these. At least it was a higher grossing movie. (laughs) Anyway, but... Cochran would rather the boy have one that's already packaged with the tag on it. And he goes ahead and puts the mask on the boy. So the dad inquires about what is the final process? Because Cochran wouldn't let the boy have a mask because it hadn't been through the final process yet. So dad asks him, well, what is this final process? But Cochran says it's a trade secret and he can't let them into the room where I guess the final process is being done done because of volatile chemicals and things of that nature and distracts him wanting to talk about sales. 
Chalice, meanwhile, is really suspicious of that room that they're not allowed to go in. And he notices, starts noticing um, those suited guys around the premises. And he tells Ellie that they need to leave and points out that those are, in fact, the men who killed her father. Well, and at some point she sees her father's... Station wagon. Station wagon. Mm -hmm. And they block her from getting to it. Yeah. So they go back to the hotel and they decide they're going to go ahead and pack up and leave. And they even try to call the cops. Chalice goes to the hotel office to use the phone, but it's conveniently out of order. And meanwhile, another Silver Shamrock ad is being played. He tries to the phone repeatedly and to no avail. Um, He returns to the room, but Ellie is now missing. So he sees the suited men outside and... And they bust into the room and Chalice escapes on foot. So that voice on the the operator for the uh, telephone company or whatever, mm-hmm. when he calls and tries to place a call, that is often credited Jamie Lee Curtis. However, there are several reports confirmed by Tommy Lee Wallace, the director, and Jamie Lee Curtis herself that this was not her who did those voices. Hmm. Interesting, because it sounds exactly like her. It really does. <laughs> it sounds exactly like her. I, yeah. I don't know how. I don't know. It's another one of those. But you hear say, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he makes his way, or he starts making his way to the factory, but he stops at a pay, pay phone first, and even that won't work. Like, it, you know, he's getting an operator, whatever, voice message saying, your call cannot be completed as dialed and such. And so... He ends up making his way to the factory and enters a room where an old woman is sitting in a chair knitting. And so he demands to know where Ellie is. And he starts shaking her, causing her head to fall off, revealing that the old woman is a machine. But of course she is. (laughs) So he tries to run, but is met by one of the suited men who starts to punch him. And Chalice ends up punching through this guy's stomach. And and that was orange juice concentrate. <laughs> well, I always think of a small little anecdote here. I can honestly say some of the inspiration behind this show and behind a lot of people that I've met and become friends with over the years has been due in part to YouTuber Dr. Wolfila. And one of his first reviews we ever watched, it was me and our son Aiden was a review for Halloween 3 and it oh my gosh that, that had to have been 10 years ago like it was when he was first it's starting been a out a long time and I remember me and Aiden sitting in the chair so if Aiden's 15 now he would have been five years old then and hearing Dr. say ew he's filled with marmalade <laughs> And I had watched, that wasn't the first video I watched, but it was definitely one of the first. And I knew from that moment on, like, this is somebody I'm going to be watching from now on. And I continue to do to this day. So shout out to Dr. Wolfila there. Or uh, Sid McClenahan, if you know him by that by that name. But um, anyway, so this uh, droid grabs Chalice by the head and he's screaming. Or not screaming, I'm sorry. He's squeezing Chalice's head and Chalice punches him in the stomach and reveals, as he pulls his hand out, orange goo and wires. So a couple of droids and Cochrane end up grabbing Chalice and Chalice asks where Ellie is, of course. And Cochrane says he knows their true identities. 
basically, he calls in Dr. Daniel Chalice and he says it'll be Halloween morning soon and it's going to be a very busy day for him. And as a medical man, he should find it very interesting. Well, and he talks about Sam Hain. Someone. Yeah, whatever. Until Jack Septicai <laughs> tells me that that's how you say it, I'm going to call it Sam Hain. He needs the opinion of a true Irishman. <laughs> I do, but he goes through the whole ritual part of it and kind of explains what had happened, what, 300, 3,000 years ago, mm-hmm. some crap like that. And I guess he, he's bringing it back around. Mm-hmm. That's the idea, is that he's 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 bringing it back. Right. Yeah, he was, he was basically talking about how all those years ago they were sacrificing children, basically. So this is uh, really no different. It's, it's, it's the same thing all over again. Stars have aligned. So yeah, basically they're going to sacrifice a bunch of children to... The planets. The planets have aligned. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we got to kill a bunch of kids because the planets are in the right order. Exactly. That makes sense. Well, I mean, if you get to part six... The Curse of Michael Myers, or whatever the fuck it's called. (laughs) It's the same thing. They say that Michael's whole reason for killing is because the stars or planets aligned in such a way that he's used as a tool to kill his family. And, you know, for as much as they try to erase this episode, I guess you'd call it. Yeah. This this edition, or whatever, of the franchise. They definitely took a lot out of it and ran with it. Yeah. Because the whole Thorn series... Comes from the Sam Hain mythos. Whatever. (laughs) It comes from this mythos. Like the next three movies all have to do with this, do they not? Yeah. So. Yeah. So now we go to Halloween Day, officially. And the droids and and Cochran are leading Chalice to a room. To the room that uh, Chalice was curious about before, but was not allowed to enter. And they go into an elevator. So uh, Chalice ends up being led to the room where the blue stone is. And it's filled with a bunch of scientists behind monitors. And there's different people um, breaking off chunks of the rock and using it for these tags for the silver shamrock masks. And Cochran picks up a chunk of rock from the stone saying that it has power in it, a force, that even a particle has devastating power. Then he shows Ellie on a monitor being strapped down and Marge is in another room, dead. And then in another room, the family that showed up in the RV got the tour of the facilities. Randy Quaid. <laughs> they're being, where they're being led. And this room is set up exactly like a living room. It's a living room. It's called Test Room A. And the man is giving, uh, being given a pad and a pencil and told that Cochran will be arriving soon. So the family is impatient, but Dad says, well, Cochran's just wants his opinion about the ads. But for some reason, he won't take an order from him for next year for masks, which is strange. So... Cochran, they're all in the living room. The son has his mask on and Cochran tells the team, roll an ad. So we get the final ad of, you know, what this end game is on the TV. And the kid's watching the TV intently as the TV's telling him to do. And we start to hear hissing. And in a really cool, memorable scene, the boy starts grabbing at his mask, which looks like it's melting almost like I said it's very I know Travis hates to use the word iconic but if you're going 
through the Halloween series, that's one of those images that that always grabs you, is that kid grabbing at this melting mask. I mean, it's so fucking creepy. And snakes and bugs start crawling out of the boy's mouth. And the mom, which I don't, I'll never understand this, the mom passes out because I would be like, I don't know, I wouldn't be passing out. I'd be like running over there like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know? But mom passes out and the dad starts screaming and trying to leave the room. First of all, yeah, I'm not passing out. I'm not screaming and trying to escape. I'm trying to see what the fuck's wrong with my kid. You know, I feel like most parents, that's how it would be. But alas, dad is killed, uh, attacked and killed by one of the snakes. There's like a rattlesnake in it there. It was a rattlesnake. <laughs> yeah. So if you're us and you're in Texas and there's a fucking rattlesnake, yeah, you're like, <laughs> I I have myself personally had a close encounter with a rattlesnake and all I knew to do was turn tail in haul ass. Yeah, well, <laughs> here's the deal. Rattlesnake bites don't kill you that fast. <laughs> they can kill you, but not as quickly as it shows it in this movie. Right. And obviously, Chalice... Can't believe what he's seeing. But he's, uh, ends up getting led away. And we pan to the final, not the final ad, but the next to final ad that's playing. And it shows, it's like throughout the United States. And it's showing kids from all, or showing ads to kids from all different states. Telling them to get ready for 9 p.m. The big giveaway's coming. And Chalice's own kids are included in this. They're watching the ads. And... For me, this is some of the best cinematography in the movie. And I believe, Travis, you agree with that, right? Oh, absolutely. Because you have all these orange tones and these silhouettes of kids walking, trick-or-treating. Oh, my God. You know, everybody wants to talk about the camera work done in the original film. This is so fucking good. So there's something about that imagery of showing... Children in costume walking in silhouette on a hillside or whatever that just works. These these shots really good. Yeah, yeah, they're absolutely Very impactful amazing in, in terms of the overall movie feel. You you get you get really the scope of what's happening. Yeah, and a it sense goes of dread. Different towns and it and it shows right. Yeah, different places in the United States where these kids have got these movies. Like there's a pumpkin ballerina on a skateboard. Is that yeah. this part? Uh-huh. And, and that only, again, sticks to me because Dr. Wolfiela mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, you, you're going to buy these masks even though they have no relation to the costume that you're wearing. Yeah. But it really illustrates the overall scope of this operation. Yes. And how many people it's going to impact. Yes. And it's not really indicated that it's all over the world, just the United States, but it's it's still even just limited to United States. It just seems like, oh my God, it's everywhere. You know, it's, it's very chilling, very chilling, especially if you're like us and have kids. But anyway, so at this point we have Teddy, the assistant coroner, and she's trying to call Chalice at this point, but she can't reach him. So she ends up calling somebody else, and it's not indicated specifically who it is, but she wants them to come have a look at the evidence from the car. She starts to try to call the police because it's made very obvious that she's made some kind of discovery. We as an audience don't know specifically what that discovery is, but I can only assume that she has realized whatever got blown up in this car wasn't human. And so Yeah, you get that kind of impression that she even if she doesn't understand the full scope, she the jig is up. Yeah. She knows that something crazy is gonna happen. And and at the point where 
or, or has she's, happened or she's killed yeah because i know that's where you're going so the final shot the the person that kills her the smith that kills her is actually the director tommy lee wallace really yeah because <laughs> the stunt man that was supposed to do it hurt her uh-huh during filming and uh-huh. got the drill bit tangled up in her hair Oh, and so God. they took a couple of days off, and when they came back, the director was didn't didn't want her to get injured again, and so that final cut, which it doesn't show it of her getting drilled in the head. Is it wrong that my mind went immediately to that vine where that girl is trying to eat corn on the cob off a drill, and it grabs her bangs and rips them right off? Wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's wrong, but <laughs> it, it, it's it's the opposite of that. Yeah. Where it's wow. like, so imagine that we caught her bangs the first time and then the second time around we got it right. Yeah. So that that was the idea. So to get, prevent injury from the actress, the, the director did that scene. Wow. That's crazy. So now we are told it is 7.30 p.m. and Chalice is bound to a chair sitting in front of a TV. And he asks, why? And Cochran says, for 3,000 years on Samhain... It was tradition to sacrifice children, and the planets have aligned just so that it is time to sacrifice again. The TV plays the film, Halloween, in a very meta scene, and Chalice is being watched on a monitor. And at this point, they have also put a mask on him, so presumably when everything happens to the children, it will also happen. Yeah, they give him an awesome skull mask. Yeah, it. the mask is put on him to ensure his own death, but Chalice manages somehow to kick, put his foot through the TV, right? And he takes a piece of the broken glass and cuts through his restraints. And the monitor has also now been tampered, so they cannot see what Chalice is doing from their end. Well, he throws the mask. He, he managed, Once he gets his hands free, he managed to pull the skull mask off and throw it over the camera. Right. Which, it took like 40 takes to get that right. Because apparently when they were filming... The director, Tommy Lee Wallace, he, I guess he was making light of it Mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. And he just sort of pitched it that direction and he got it on the first try. Yeah. Purely by accident, I'm Mm -hmm. assuming. And so he assumed that it was going to be an easy thing to do. But it took like 40 takes for uh, the actor to actually hit that. Wow. I think I would get damn impatient by then. Yeah. I'd be like, (laughs) fuck it. We just need to... Do something else. Just put the mask on it. (laughs) So during this, Cochran is distracted with a phone call, you know, about sales and different stuff. And he's telling people, well, be sure to have your kids in front of the TV at nine o'clock. And Chalice ends up escaping through an air duct in the room. They do discover that Chalice is gone. But meanwhile, Chalice is, of course, searching for Ellie. And he use, he ends up calling his ex-wife while he has a minute to tell her to please, please get rid of the kid's mask. But because of his incessant drinking throughout the movie... And she womanizing. Has... <laughs> There's a lot of womanizing in addition to the drinking. She just assumes that he's drunk and jealous. And you can actually, you can hear her yelling at him over the phone. And it, despite, you know, his shortcomings as a human, you really understand that he's so desperate to get his kids out of harm's way. Well, at this point, he's the boy who cried wolf. Yeah. Where he has, he's done it so many times that she doesn't believe him anymore. So now when it's real, she doesn't believe it. But he ends up finally finding Ellie and Cochran tries 
tries to catch him, basically. they He and Ellie, they sneak around this uh, main room, you know, where the stone is and stuff. And Chalice grabs one of the mass tags and he sneaks up to the control board, setting up an ad in the room. And just as everybody's going, what the fuck, what's going on? He takes a box of the tags and dumps them all over the room causing them to go off, killing all the scientists and droids and droids and whatnot. How did he know that was going to work? I don't know. Like, how did he know his, and, and if you look at the movie, his box of bottomless pogs, because he's dumping that box for 10 minutes. Uh-huh. How did he know that was going to work? Maybe Cochran told him. I, I guess I wasn't very... Like, is he just super smart and I'm not? <laughs> I mean, that's possible. I'm I not mean, because we that saw out, that it happened to Marge, but we, I don't recall he him. He didn't see that happen to Marge, Yeah, though. but I don't recall him. It's like if I push these buttons and then dump <laughs> this box of infinite pods. So maybe maybe Cochran told him and maybe I just missed it. Maybe I'm being critical. <laughs> anyway, the blue stone starts to glow and it creates this glowing blue circle around the dead corpses of the scientists and the droids. And... Cochran, admitting his defeat, starts to clap. Yeah, he golf at, claps for him. At Chalice. <laughs> and as um, Dr. Wolfula says, he becomes one with the Force because at that point... Well, he said he turns into like Marlon Brando's <laughs> last act he, uh, or something. But... Cochran starts to glow blue. It's very weird. It's a very weird effect here. But he starts to glow blue and then eventually he just kind of disappears. <laughs> Yeah, and... that's such a weird ending for your main <laughs> really villain. I don't understand what happened. It really is. And thus fire is set to the plant and we assume that it's going to be destroyed because there's fire set to it. It looks like there's explosions happening in the building and so forth. But um... when, they went, when they run away, you know, maybe skipping ahead here, like the, the skyline behind them yes. behind the, is orange. Yes, Sort of indicating that it's on fire, but... Right. It doesn't... There's nothing in his action phase... Yeah. ...that says that dumping pogs on these androids is going to set the factory on fire. (laughs) Pogs. Well, that's what they are. I mean, shit. (laughs) Call it what it is. (laughs) So, Chalice and Ellie, they escape. They drive off. And at this point, Chalice is desperate to get help to get this thing stopped before all the all the children are killed but for some reason ellie is acting kind of strange so this is the interesting if you watch how many times she blinks from the time he gets her off that table until the part that you're about to talk about she doesn't and that was one of the things that that didn't really hold water with this movie or it's an inconsistency rather Mm -hmm. is that in the elevator when they're going up um Cochran is bragging about how advanced these androids are and how sophisticated and all that stuff. And one of them sneezes. But if you look at it from the very beginning when they're chasing that old guy, mm-hmm. Ellie's, Ellie's dead. They don't blink. Was he really? He might not have been. <laughs> he might have been an android too. No, or I a, mean, if she a was a pod an person. <laughs> you never know. Maybe she was never his Maybe daughter. she's been an android from the whole beginning. Yeah. I just don't know what the end to that was. What was the end game for that? I, I, I don't know. Because they couldn't have known that Chalice himself was going to be the one. But if you look at you it know. before this point, she blinks like a normal human. But from the time he takes her off the table, she does not. Huh. So yeah. we can program androids that sneeze and are polite, but we can't make them blink. Sounds it's legit. fucking stupid. <laughs> like, I, 
You just, shut just, your, you just shut your mouth now. It's just fucking stupid. We can make them sneeze and be polite, but we can't make them blink. You stop it. I know where you sleep. <laughs> anyway, so out of nowhere, she suddenly attacks him and he crashes the car into a tree. And I found a whole trivia section where they talk about what kind of car that was, but I didn't give a shit, so I didn't write it down. <laughs> Fun fact, I didn't care, so I didn't, <laughs> I didn't write it down. So, um... Ellie attacks again, and Chalice hits her with a tire iron, revealing that she was a fembot. So the fact that she left an arm attached (laughs) to the door didn't reveal the fact that she's a fembot. (laughs) But when you take her head off, I don't know. But he ends up using that tire iron to decapitate her. So listen, I just want to point this out. If if Cochran had made it to the point where he could make fembots that could have (laughs) realistic relations with another human, like if it's from a money standpoint, he was missing the boat. He could have gone somewhere else completely with that, but that'd be a different movie. Anyway, so Chalice is then attacked by Ellie's severed arm that was hanging onto the door from Which is the wreck. Very, that's a very evil dead thing to do. It's he, like Ash's evil hand coming back. <laughs> Rip off! Sorry. No. Anyway, he, uh, he pries it off when the body tries to attack again, but the body suddenly just dies it just keels over and chalice ends up running away so he ends up back at the gas station from the beginning of the movie where ellie's dad had originally gone so we've come full circle yes and chalice bolts for the phone immediately to start calling the tv station to start getting the ads pulled and he's kind of successful at first where because there's a kid that or trick-or-treater that ends up rolling into the gas station okay so he is the he's a he's a doctor he is a phd right right at some podunk back ass of the world hospital but he has a phone number that will connect him to the person who runs all the tv stations <laughs> all at once yeah that's such bullshit like, I can call this one person and they can shut down commercials on three different TV stations. I don't know. So, no, yeah, no, you're no, meaning no. to tell us that there's only three different channels for the entire U.S. Okay, God damn it! I was alive then and there were only three stations. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying there wasn't one phone number for yeah, all you, three of them. you walked into the TV and you turned the knob on the TV because there were no remotes back then. No, no, that's not how that worked. Your dad said, turn it to channel four, and you got up and you went and turned it to channel four. I don't um, even know if I had channel four. I think I only had channel eight as a child. You had four, five, eight, and eleven. That's what you had. But your dad told you, and you we were did it. Poor and if it guys. was staticky, then you adjusted the rabbit ears until it was <laughs> somewhat clear. Until you could get the news and the weather. So anyway, yeah, you have some trick or treaters that have gone in, and there's this one kid, and I believe he's wearing one of the skull masks. And for every channel that he's on, then an ad gets pulled. He just immediately switches to another channel, and then that ad gets pulled, and he goes to one final channel. And that ad is not being pulled. So then Chalice is desperately telling the TV station, no, there's still one channel left. There's still one channel left. You have to stop it. Stop it. Stop Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. it. Yeah. (laughs) And he he continues to scream, stop it, until we fade to black. And that's the end of the fucking movie. (laughs) Uh, So originally, at the end of this movie... 
instead of going back to the theme song and credits, you were supposed to hear the screams of millions of children in the background. Oh, that's fucking dark. Indicating that he failed. Oh but my they God. wanted to leave it more ambiguous, and that's the reason it goes into just normal credits. Wow. Yeah, the original ending, he didn't make it. His stop it, stop it, stop it at a network exec didn't uh-huh. work. Imagine that. Wow. So. If they had left that, that would have been fucking dark, dude. I would have liked that better, to be honest with you. I think I kind of would, like, that's, too. That's fucked up. <laughs> is that, yeah, I was going to say, like, what I'm, does that I'm say sure about that, me? I'm sure that says something about me as a person that I would have liked And as a parent. <laughs> But I think what it ultimately boils down to is I want a concrete ending. Yeah. Like I want an ending that is an ending. Yeah. And that would have provided that, that he failed. I mean, I'm not but completely just, against an ambiguous ending, but... But when you just give me a fucking fade to black, like, uh... What? What? What happened? But... Yeah, I just don't... I don't care for that much. Again, me being a huge uh, David Lynch fangirl, um, I'm not completely opposed to ambiguous endings. Um, I am. I am not a David Lynch <laughs> fangirl. And I want a goddamn ending. <laughs> You've sat through plenty of Lynch with me and been fine. <laughs> okay, but I don't expect much out of Lynch. I'm not saying that he's bad. I just don't expect continuity or cohesion or what's another I was going to say, the continuity is there. Cohesion, maybe not. But like, I don't expect something to make sense from him. You know what? David Lynch doesn't give a shit. I know he doesn't care. <laughs> And that's why we get along. David with the good hair as, as doesn't deep, care. As deep personal friends, that's why we get along. <laughs> We're not. But So, Travis, what do you think about Halloween 3 season Oh, shit. Lynch? Watch this movie. It's a good time. This is one of those that kind of falls into that category that it's not going to change your life, but it's fun to watch. So just fucking watch it. Yeah. Don't listen to the critics that tell you it's a shit movie. Just why, you know, it's a good movie. Don't don't go into it thinking that you're going to see Michael Myers slashing up teens having horny sex. Like, because it's not going to happen. Well, at this point, You're going to get Tom Atkins womanizing everything he can get his hands being on. Being a fucking man. <laughs> He's going to use his mustache to seduce every woman <laughs> that comes within like 30 feet of him. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest, it works better for Magnum P.I. than it does for Tom Atkins. I'm just saying. Only if you're Monica Geller, okay? (laughs) It worked for her for 10 years. God, did I just admit that I watched Friends? That's fucked up. You tricked me. You ain't got to lie, Craig. You ain't got to lie. (laughs) But I think it's a solid watch. Um, I... You know, even if you have to, you know, spend four bucks to rent it, I, I'd say it's a watch. It's worth it. If, if if for no other reason than because of this, they didn't want to tie it to anything in the first two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then in four, if you've watched number four, they don't want to tie it to anything in, in that. But if you pick up the thread of Sam Hain. Samhain. Until Jack tells me it's different, <laughs> I don't give a shit. It's Sam Hain until Jack tells me it's different. But they pick up that thread and just fucking run with it for like the next three movies. Yeah. So they didn't completely drop this one. Yeah. So if you wanna if you wanna do that, it's worth it. If you just want to see a Halloween movie that doesn't have Michael Myers killing teens having sex, then it's worth it. I, it's a good movie. It's not. I don't know. I don't have the same opinion of this one that I did with uh, Event Horizon that we just did. Mm-hmm. You know, with Event Horizon, I liked it on the front side, and then the more I watched it, the less I liked it. And then this one's the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. The more I watched it, 
the more I kind of liked it just because it was exactly, different. Exactly. Exactly. But it was because it was different. It Because right. it wasn't your typical slasher. It didn't follow that formula. And it, it just, it kind of went its own way. Mm-hmm. And for me, creativity counts for a lot. It's almost more of a science fiction than it is a horror. Like there's another, yeah, absolutely. Um, but there's another Halloween coming out, right? Mm-hmm. That Red from Pineapple Express is doing. <laughs> Halloween and Kills. What kind of fucking title is that? <laughs> Of course, Halloween kills. <laughs> but I just, I don't know. It's not your typical slasher bullshit. Yeah. And I don't like slashers. That's not a secret. And I think the more we get into the Halloween series, the more you're going to not like me very much because <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to have really awesome opinions of the movies that follow, especially when we get to age two when we talk about Josh Hartnett. I'm like, fuck that guy. <laughs> Fuck him and his haircut. And the horse he rode in on. <laughs> he just needs to stick with Black Hawk down and f- <laughs> But You like 30 days of night, though. Okay, that came 10 years after this. Anyway, maybe not 10 years. But, <laughs> but I don't know. If you just want something different, watch it. It's worth it. It's not It's not part of Halloween canon. It's just it's an experience. Do you, what do you think? Well, as somebody who does love the slasher genre, that is, that is my thing. I'm not typically into I mean there are other genres I like but honestly slashers are my favorite personally but I did appreciate that they were trying to go off and do something different and do something that was their own because there were obviously a lot of things in Halloween 2 that John Carpenter didn't he he kind of felt pressured to do um he really didn't want to make Halloween 2 so um, so Sorry, but while you're saying that, like, you, you got to appreciate that Mustafa Akkad, and I'm probably saying that wrong, was sort of the the uniting force between all the Halloween movies, right? Up until his death and then I guess his son took over. Mm-hmm. But I really feel like, was it you said Don't Speak Ill of the Dead? Yeah. He really changed what this series could have been because he was always a big fan of don't fuck with the formula. Right. Like, he was the prototype for what's the movie Scream was speaking against, right? He made those rules almost. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad they did this movie. Yeah. Just because they don't follow Akkad's rules. And I kind of feel like he's the one that made those rules. So anyway, sorry. Well, I mean, if a lot of people credit Halloween for being the first slasher movie, when in fact, that's really not true. If you want to go to the granddaddy of slasher movies, that fucking starts with Psycho. And then it's further explored in Black Christmas. It's just that Halloween perfected that formula. So it was the com- the first commercially successful version. Um, I don't know for sure. I know that Black Christmas was pretty uh, popular in its own right. I'm not personally a fan so much of that movie. I know I'm going to get some hate for that. But, and we, you know, we touched on this last week where we said, you know, everybody and their mom has talked about Halloween ad nauseum. And I will agree with that 100%. There's nothing we could tell you about Halloween that you don't already know. Everyone has talked about it. and But that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate that film. Obviously, it has its place in history for a reason. And John Carpenter is one of the most brilliant directors that there are there. Halloween just happens to not be my favorite film of his. Now, if you want to talk my favorite film of Carpenter, it's easily The Thing all day long, followed by They Live, and then maybe Halloween after that. 
Okay, but Halloween 4 beat They Live in the box office. So I here it came out. don't care. <laughs> Carpenter came up with a fantastic idea. Uh-huh. And this is my take on it. He had, a, he had a great idea. I think the first Halloween was good. He didn't really want to do Halloween number two, right? Right. But he did it anyway. Right. So I feel like he started it and the direction he wanted to go was probably good. And then the studio got a hold of it or a distributor got a hold of it. I don't want to blame it all on Mustafa Akkad, even though he was the name attached to what all the ones that came after. I think so. I think. I don't know exactly what film he really started having a hand in it. Well, we'll get into it in number four after it may have been number four. and Debbie... Uh, Deborah Hill. Deborah Hill mm-hmm. gave up her the rights to it. When uh-huh. he really... Akkad really took over after that once they yeah. gave up the rights to it. Yeah. And, and turned it into... Every other Friday the 13th Nightmare on hey, Elm Street hey, hey, hey. type of slasher movie. Don't don't you talk shit about my movies. I really <laughs> would have liked to have seen how this movie would have ended up if John Carpenter's vision of it had been followed through. You mean the anthology yeah. formula? Yeah, that would have been interesting to see for sure. Yeah, there are some people that like, you just wonder if, if they had the funding and you could get a studio behind it, what would happen if you just let their imagination run wild? And I don't think that with all of them. Like... I could give a shit where Spielberg's imagination goes. I don't care. George Lucas, his went to Star Wars, and and then he redid them and fucked it up. But (laughs) he raped Indiana Jones, (laughs) according to South Park. But with guys like John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, like you kind of wonder where would it have gone without that. Some great lines for fucking sure. Yeah. Where where would we be right now with it if no one had gotten involved? If there were no hurdles for them to jump, Mm -hmm. where would it be? Yeah. I really what would like avenues to see, would they have explored? I really would like to see that. Now, I will say that in the new Halloweens that we're not going to cover, obviously. Um, Maybe think, eventually, just not I right now. I think Red from Pineapple Express, and I keep saying that because I don't know his fucking real name. Danny his, McBride. Danny McBride. His wasn't bad. I actually liked his better than Rob Zombie. I'm kind of anxious to see what the next one looks like. I will also say that having said what I just said, and y'all probably heard me hate on Rob Zombie a little bit, that we've watched some reviews since we're gearing up for our Halloween season. It makes me feel like I need to rewatch the zombie versions and reevaluate my opinion on them. But, you know, I'm anxious to see what a fresh take looks like on this. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the the ones that happens in, in the early to mid-90s were the lowest grossing of the bunch, and I think that's probably for a good reason. So it's going to be interesting to revisit the ones that were not a part of that. Right. So you're going to let me finish my opinion Yeah, I'm going to let you finish. Goddamn. <laughs> anyway, so I, you know, this this film is apparently still very divisive, especially with um, Michael Myers fanboys that are just, no, we only want Michael. That's and it. Us. Uh, we don't We don't want any other part. I, I love this film. I do. Like I said, I watched it the first time and I did the same thing. Where the fuck's Michael? What the hell's going on? What did I get myself into? And then, yes, as an adult, re-watching it and re-evaluating it, being like, this movie's pretty fucking bleak and terrifying if you really stop to think about it. You just have to evaluate it on its own merits. Yes. Yes. Um, so, yes, if you hadn't attached the Halloween name to it, I, I don't know what would have happened. People say that all the time. Just don't go into this thinking it's a Halloween film and you'll like it. But I don't know if that's entirely true. But I will say no matter what it's in, 
it's a good fucking solid movie. Sure, it has its faults. Sure, it has some silliness and some inconsistencies. I don't care. I don't. I don't. It's a good fucking movie. I love it. If I'm doing a Halloween marathon, you bet your sweet ass I'm going to include it in it. So would you say it's fair to say that if you're going to watch this movie and you've never seen it before, take the Halloween moniker off of it completely and watch it as a really different sci-fi horror movie? Maybe. I don't don't know. Like I said, I don't think of it in those terms. I think of it as it's in the Halloween series and I'm going to watch it if I'm watching, you know, all 25 Halloween movies. (laughs) Resurrection not included, of course. Ah, fuck that movie. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Who was in the theater with me? Like, how many times did we go watch Resurrection when it came out? Talking about Wai Chung Lee? (laughs) We saw that movie several times, so... I watched it because Tyra Banks was in it. You... And then I realized that that was not enough reason to watch that movie. You loved that movie. Even Tyra Banks can't say that movie. Because of one scene at the beginning where Jamie Lee Curtis was supposed to be in her room and Michael Myers... Oh god damn when he headbutts through the door. (laughs) You were like, Oh "Oh my god (laughs) So okay, if you're gonna watch the movie, watch the first fifteen minutes and then turn that fucker off because it's not good after that. It's not good when they kill Jamie Lee Curtis. Like Okay. And then the main character, what's her butt Sarah or whatever, fuck her ass because she's horrible. After he headbutts his way through the door, turn it off. And then watch the next one after that, because that's that's where you need to be. And for the record, I actually really like the Rob Zombie movies. I know a lot of people shit on those. I know people shit on Rob Zombie movies in general. I am a Rob Zombie fangirl. Like, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I love his style. And people will say, well, he's more style over substance. There's a lot to be said for fucking style, though, and his style is beautiful. And I'm so, not talking about all the white trash brother cousins, that kind of thing. I'm talking about purely cinematography. If you if you don't have a better example, go fucking watch Lords of Salem, because that is some Kubrick shit if I ever saw it. So I feel like I need to rewatch the Rob Zombie Halloweens with different goggles on. I don't know if that makes sense or not. But, like I said, in prep for this, we've watched a lot of commentaries and that sort of thing. And and there's been a couple of them that have pointed out shit in the Rob Zombie movies that I really hadn't considered before. For me, Rob Zombie was always White Zombie. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember that. because Uh, Well, yeah, I'm only three years younger than you. (laughs) That's who he was. He was White Zombie when he came out and then he went solo, right? Uh That's just who he is. And I'd I'd never been... When his movies came in, I, I couldn't reconcile those two personalities this is music rob zombie this is movie rob zombie um and i really struggled with that but but again having watched these commentaries they've given me a lot to think about and it's kind of like this movie that we're viewing right now you know maybe watch some reviews and then give the movie a watch and think about it Mm -hmm. because i'm i'm been forced into a position where i'm having to (laughs) reevaluate What I think about Rob Zombie's I'm movies. Not, I'm not forcing him to do shit, for the record. You're doing it. <laughs> He's along for the ride. <laughs> I, I I feel like I need to reevaluate how I have always viewed Rob Zombie's Halloween movies. Lords of Salem will be shit. No. Forever. No. To me. I just don't like that movie. You don't like the the subject matter. I, I don't know about that, but I just don't <laughs> like that movie. But... You're like, like, I will openly admit it. The first time I watched Lords of Salem, I'm like, 
Oh my god, am I going to hell now for okay, watching are we, this? <laughs> are we talking about openly admitting things? Is that what we're talking about right now? Sure, why okay, not? Okay, I will openly admit that I watched Rob Zombie's first movie. Was it... Uh, House of Thousand Corpses. Yeah, because his wife is in it. <laughs> but the, Just because she's our get-out-of-jail-free card. <laughs> oh god, she is. For both of us. <laughs> for both of us, admittedly. But I think the longer that drug on, I kind of latched onto that. Like, the, oh my god, he's got a fucking stuff his wife into everything and yeah she's not hard to look at but she doesn't make a movie she doesn't make a movie good and that's, I, I and that's would what's again, important she does not make a movie good i would argue again her performance in lords of salem is but that's really not part of, understated that's not part of this canon no and so when they forced her into into the Halloween series, that's kind of how I felt. Like she's easy to look at, but she doesn't make this a good movie. And I, I thought just her couldn't... performance was pretty good. Like her her suicide scene, for example, was really heartbreaking. I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm just saying I couldn't mentally, for me myself, couldn't get around that. Like I guess I just kind of looked at it like, okay, so here's another movie he's shoving his wife into because he he feels like he has to. Or because he wants okay, to, or because if you made movies, I'm ab- you you're going to be in, in every damn one of <laughs> okay, them. Okay, then. But I think I judged the entire content of the movie based on that one choice. I guess that's where I'm going with yeah. this. And I feel like I need to rewatch those movies now and reevaluate my initial impression of those movies. Yeah. So at some point, maybe we'll come around to those, and I may change my opinion of the Halloween movies that were done by Rob Zombie. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I will, but it's possible <laughs> that my opinion could change. So, <coughs> on that note, yeah, there's... We got way off topic. There's the a lot of, day, of divisiveness. Fucking watch Halloween 3. There's a lot of divisiveness between, the you know, where people stand on the Thorn trilogy. Um, there's a lot of people that love Part 4, myself included. A lot of people that fucking hate Part 5, myself included. And you get to part six, where it's kind of half and half. You have a lot of people that love it, myself included, and a lot of people that hate it. Which one is it? It's got Paul Rudd in it. Part six. I love that one. <laughs> no, you don't. Just because it's got he's, Paul Rudd in it. So he's, do not. It's Ant-Man. He's hilarious. <laughs> anyway, but our point being, watch part three. Make up your own damn mind. You know, we said this when we were talking about the, the new Candyman sequel. Make up your mind. Stop letting people determine what you watch okay watch it make up your own damn mind be your own person part three is fucking good halloween three is a good fucking movie just don't walk into it expecting to see michael myers because you're not going to exactly but don't judge it based on that exactly so anyway it is late we are tired we're drunk we're a little bit drunk So maybe you're a little bit. <laughs> we're going to wrap this up. And yeah. So next week is part of our month of Spooktober. We're going to move on to part four. And again, this is one that is loved by many. God damn. I can't believe we're going all the way to H2O. <laughs> can't believe you're making me review a Josh Hartnett movie. <laughs> That's not 30 days of night. Anyway. And this is the return of Michael Myers. So expect some fun from that. And before we go, I want to go ahead and give out our shout out to our content creator of the week. I missed last week, so I'm a shithead. You are. <laughs> but this week, I had somebody in mind. I had, I even a few minutes ago had their stuff pull up, but I have since had a change of heart. 
And since I have brought up his name multiple times in this episode, I want to shout out once again, please, 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 please go fucking look up Dr. Wolfula, please. And if nothing else, it's because he loves Halloween. He loves Scooby-Doo too, but he loves Halloween. And he has done so much extensive research and has made multiple videos and re-reviews of these. And they're hilarious. They're very informative. If you didn't know something or just want to sit back and have a laugh, relive the series again, there's nobody that knows this series better than he does. So please, I urge you, go to YouTube look up Dr. Wolfula, look up Dr. Wolfula Halloween just to get you to those. And I promise you're going to get something great out of it. Yeah. And for what it's worth, I even enjoy his reviews because it's, it's an unbiased review. This is not somebody that's getting paid to say good things about a movie. And mm-hmm. he gives us honest feedback. And I like that. And he does like the movies, I think for the most part, but it's just, I, I don't know. It's hard to plug Dr. Dr. Wolfula. He just does what he does. He's, yeah. he's his own thing. He doesn't give a shit if you like it or not. Right. And he just says what he thinks. And I'm I'm proud to call him a friend. We've we've spoken over the years. We've have done uh done work for him in the past. Um he's a great human being, a great reviewer, great YouTuber. Please check him out. Yeah. And when you sign in there and you pull up the first video on YouTube and you see that it's a guy in costume, don't turn it off. Like it looks a little cheesy and a little kitschy, but it's good stuff. Just watch it. So, anyway, on that note, we will be back next week for Halloween 4. Sorry we rambled on for so long. (laughs) So, we'll see you again next week, guys. Adios. Bye, guys. Hey, Ashley. So, what would people do if they're enjoying the show and they want to leave us a review? You'd review the show on your favorite platform. But that's just me. But who are you? I'm SpookyMom83. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm not going to direct you to Facebook because I hate it. (laughs) And I guess that makes me TravisL80 on Twitter. Just don't expect a lot. Yeah, you're not really big on the social stuff. I'm socially inept. That's true. But if you guys want to reach out, tell us what your favorite movie is, got any requests, any questions, stuff like that. You know, they can just stop in and say hi. They can just stop in and say hi. I will say hi. 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 Hello there. (laughs) But seriously, guys, feel free to reach out to us on all of our social media platforms. So they can kind of just stop in for whatever they want. And tell Travis why he's the better of the two, obviously. Please. Please do that. (laughs) Till next time, guys. Later. Bye.